You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and I want to say thank you so much for being supporters of the podcast. I get emails and I get text messages or DMs uh, almost every day. And I appreciate them so much. So thank you. And for those of you who are sending these messages, who are listening regularly, please subscribe to the show and give us a five-star review and pass it along to your friends and your trainer friends to let them know that we're here and that they may find it supportive. So with that being said, let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. Today, I want to have a discussion about my walk through my introductory sessions. All right, so it's just a walkthrough of, of sessions because I get people that ask the question sometimes, hey, when you do your first session with somebody, what do you do? Uh, I'm lost. I'm confused. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't have the confidence. If somebody could just tell me what they do, then maybe I would feel better about what I do. So with that being said, I'm going to say let's give it a go. And my intro, intro sessions that I do with people you may listen to it and be like, that's a terrible idea. That will never work for me. That is not my idea of a good introductory session. And if that is the case, you do you. This is not the right way to do it, but it is a way that works very, very well for me and who I am as a person and as a trainer. And it lines up with my values and it lines up with my interest and it lets clients know that I am interested in them. So that's a big deal. Because sometimes what we want to do as personal trainers, we want to show you how good we are, how much we can do. Let me tell you about me. And I'm going to tell you right now, Nobody's coming to train with you because they are that interested in you. They are interested in what you can do for them. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about building rapport with your clients and working with your clients. So getting into the whole thing, like an introductory session, it's not a sales pitch. Here's the introductory session. First thing we do, initial conversation before I even meet somebody. First thing I do is I ask them, why? Why do you want to train? What's there for you? What do you want to train? What do you want to get out of our training sessions together? Because clearly, we're being connected. They're interested. What is the outcome that you want to have? Let's talk about your goals, what you want. And then I want to know why you think I can do that. So tell me about why you reached out to me, because this is not me oftentimes reaching out to clients at this point. Uh, it's, it's being connected with them. So how do we get connected? Who is our contact point? Uh, how do you know that person? Getting all the rapport building and stuff that's in there. And then one of the more powerful questions that you can ask is, have you ever worked with a personal trainer before? And why is that powerful? Uh, because it's going to give you some important answers. Number one, if they say yes, it is very important to find out what that experience was like with that personal trainer because people love their past trainers or they've had a trainer before and they really hated the experience. We get some middle ground there, but let's 
let's stay away from the pendulum swinging back and forth and let's go polarization. I love my trainer or really, really don't care for the trainer that I had in the past. There are very important questions here. The follow-up questions is, are, what did you love about your trainer? Tell me about that experience. Because they're giving you insights into their personality, into a relationship that they had in the past that worked really well for them. And then, of course, finding out why they are no longer with that particular trainer. And then see if there are any things within that that match your values and, and fit with your training style that you can go, oh, we might work really well together based off some of the stuff that you said about you and your trainer. And then what if they didn't like having a trainer? What if the trainer that they had um, didn't make them feel good, didn't make them feel accomplished? What if they made them do exercises that they didn't want to do? And yes, I know you're thinking every exercise is an exercise most of our clients may not want to do. But what else was going on there? Because it's going to give you insight into who this person is as a client and how you will be able to work with that person. So that's important. And then at some point, uh, and you might want to do this earlier on before getting into all of this information, is you need to know what their schedule's like. So what do they want to train? When do they want to train? When are they available? And does that match when your availability is? Otherwise, you spend a lot of time building rapport with somebody which nothing wrong with that, but at the end of a conversation, which could be lengthy, you say, oh man, none of our schedules just don't work out. It just doesn't work out. Um, it may be beneficial to have a long conversation before having a conversation about scheduling because at the end of it, when you look at it and you say, hey, the schedule just doesn't work out, maybe they've kind of put out some times that were ideal, but they can move some things around if they think that working with you is really something that after having this conversation makes them want to adjust some things in their schedule. So maybe they have a babysitter coming on this day instead of the other day. Uh, usually they like to go play squash on one day, but they can switch it to another day just once a week, just so they get a chance to work with you. So fantastic. And then I do this before we start the training session is before our introductory, our first meeting, is we have to discuss rates. We have to discuss what I charge for my training sessions. And that's going to be important because that decides whether we move forward into that first session or not. And so getting this out, having that conversation first is very important. But it's not that way for everyone because some of you are working at large corporate facilities and you do introductory sessions. And in those introductory sessions, you take them around the gym and you show them around the gym, you show them some exercises, you go through maybe an assessment. And at the end of it, you do your pitch at the end. And we'll talk about the we'll talk about the pitch at the end, at the end of this podcast. So stay tuned. And let's go prior to the first meeting. Prior to the first meeting, again, before I meet them, I'm gonna send them a park you and I'm gonna send them a liability waiver form. So a PARQ stands for Physical Activity Readiness Questionnaire. And if you don't know where to find a PARQ, I'm going to say Google PARQ 2021, whenever the date is, whatever the year is. And there's a website, it's really focused around the PARQ called EPAR, 
medx.com, eparmedx, E-P-A-R-M-E-D-X.com. And that one has kind of like a really, really good standardized physical activity uh, readiness questionnaire form. And it has several of them. So it's got some options for you. If you need to have a physician's clearance, there's a form on there that they can send to their physician. Uh, you give them your information, they send it back to you or they send it back to the gym. So it makes it really easy. It's a lot of stuff in one place. So it's a great PARQ form to use. Uh, NASM's PARQ form, I don't know what we have. We I know we have one on the website, but I have a Mac and it blocks my plugins with... Um, uh, I don't know if they're using uh, Flash Player or whatever it is, but you know, Mac Macs are weird like that. So uh, this is the ParQ standard form that most places are using that are at the eparmedics.com. Reliability waiver form. And again, some of you will do this within your first session and sign that waiver form before we get going. Uh, probably when you first meet somebody at the very first session, having them sign a waiver form, most people look at it and they're like, I get it, and they sign it. But some people that might be a little anxious are going, great, now I have to sign a waiver of liability form in case something goes wrong, in case something happens to me during this workout. So I like to send it to them early, have them sign it, so when they see me, it's just comfort. We're just comforted by our time together. Park you, waiver form, and then let's get into the subjective information. So two rounds of information you're going to get from your clients. One is the subjective information. A lot of that is going to be a review of conversations you've already had. They've got the Park you. So if there's anything on the Park you, you need to address once you receive that, this is a conversation that you're going to have during your first session. So another very, very important thing is you got to review the goals. In fact, Reviewing goals is a good thing to do regularly, right? What we're doing today is I'm walking you through my introductory sessions. I'm walking you through what I do in my first workout with somebody, what leads up to that first session with somebody, and that first time we sit down together. And I said our first workout together, and I'd be honest, that's really not that true because there's not a lot of workout that goes on in the first session that I do with people. And I'll tell you why. And it doesn't mean that it's right. And if it works for you that you say, hey, let's get our first session in and you guys just boom, get a couple assessments and right into the workout, that can work too. But I'm going to explain why I do what I do. So I'm sitting down with them. I'm reviewing their goals now. We've already talked about it but I'm reviewing their goals and I'm refining what those goals are. I'm managing expectations. So if somebody says I have a wedding and I go, oh, fantastic. And I want to lose X amount of pounds and I go, oh, okay. All right. Um, and then when's your wedding? And they go three weeks and I'm like, ah, I don't know. Might need to pump the brakes on that and manage expectations. Impossible? No, but what, what is possible, and we need to break down what those possibilities are and what they look like, which probably a conversation for uh, another podcast. What, what maybe are the weight loss goal expectations that you can expect, and how can we coach people through that? So we're going to address the goals. We're going to review the goals, review the PARQ form in case there's anything on there we need to address, and then find out if we need um, clearance on anything, if we need to get a physician's clearance, if necessary, are there any concerns, and then asking them about them. Get them talking 
about themselves. It's so important to try to get the other person to carry the ball and you as the coach, kind of like a moderator of a conversation, you're not the one out there um, leading the conversation, doing all the talking. And we do that sometimes as personal trainers. Let me tell you all the things and I'm good at this and I love doing this and I can get you that and we can get you there. Where, where do you want to go? And what is the best way for me to have a conversation that gets you to be more involved in the conversation? There was a book that I was reading one time. It's called The Fine Art of Small Talk by Deborah Fine. And she had, it's a story, wonderful story. She set two friends up to go on uh, a date together. And so this guy meets this girl and the guy sits there and they start talking and she makes a really strange comment right off the bat, right? And it was something maybe about STDs or something right off the bat. And he was like, "What? we're just having dinner. And he was so taken back by that initial statement that he just kind of let her talk. And she talked and she talked and she talked and talked and talked. And at the end of it, they both went back, they went their own ways, and each of them the next day called the author of the book. And the woman and the man's perception of that date was totally different. The guy said, oh, this is terrible. It was awful. The first thing she asked about this, and then she went on and on about herself, and she went on and on. And then the lady friend called, the girlfriend called, and, and she Deborah answered the phone. And the woman said, he's such a good listener. He's such a good listener. Oh, we talked and we talked and we talked and they did not talk. She talked. And here's the thing for you as a trainer, the takeaway is the more you talk, the more you feel comfortable with the conversation. But that doesn't mean that they are comfortable with it. You know how you know they're comfortable? They are talking. You don't know somebody else is comfortable when they're quiet. So try to get the other person to talk. Draw them out. Get them to speak about themselves, what they like, what they dislike, what their goals are, what their needs are, what their wants are, what their concerns are. All of that is vitally important. And then sharing with them and then using levity. I think using levity is, is important, but also acknowledging the seriousness of what their goals are. And that is where I go with the subjective information. And then the objective information starts. And we still hopefully have conversations, we can banter a little bit, but let's get into the movement. And those movements, the objective information, uh, and really, to be honest, like this is still subjective information, like an overhead squat assessment, we're not specifically measuring anything to give us quantifiable numbers. We're not, you know, if we use something like maybe an app like Dartfish or Coach's Eye or something like that, far, that's objective. That's not subjective. It gives you angles and things like that. Um, but we're still looking at this. We'll call it objective information because it's not them telling you. It is us trying to objectively watch somebody's movement pattern and see whether or not it lines within what we will consider the norms. And that's where we go into our overhead squat assessment. From the overhead squat assessment, it's just easy right into the single leg squat assessment if necessary, and not everybody needs to go into a single leg squat assessment. Uh, so just be aware of that. 
So going through the overhead squat assessment, going through the single leg squat assessment. And then I like to find a few more things that allow me to identify where maybe some tightness or weakness or synergistic dominance is going on. So I might have them go through some bridges. And in the bridges, I want to know where they feel it. Do they feel it in their low back? Do they feel it more in their hamstrings? Do they feel it more in their quads? Do they feel it more in their glutes? All of that is really important. It's providing me a lot of, a lot of information, a lot of data on what it is that's going on in their body when they do this exercise and what I can do immediately, immediately to optimize those muscle recruitment patterns. All right, so I like to do kind of my, my version of the McGill Big Three, and this is not for back pain, it's just I really like these three exercises as an assessment. So that's my one. My second one, uh, so after the bridge, I like to do the prone iso abs, so the plank position on the forearms. Not a great exercise for everybody, but there's one way for me to find out whether or not it's a great exercise for you. Let's do it. And it's not an exercise at this point. It is an assessment style exercise. It's kind of like doing a push-up. You do a push-up, you find out they can't do it, then you regress it. Well, we'll do a plank, find out what's going on. Where do you feel it? Do you feel it in your abdominal region? Do you feel it more in your low back? Are you able to contract your glutes while holding that position? Are you going into scapular winging while holding that position? Fantastic information for me to gather from them and then allows me to better plan on what my program's gonna be. Great, so I'm now taking them through that. They're already face down position as they go to the ground and they go, okay, the assessment is over. I go, nope, there's one more and that is a prone cobra, that cobra position where you're lying face down, the chin is tucked, the, the knees are pointed, are locked out, the glutes are squeezed tight, the toes are plantar flexed, keeping the body in a straight position and then retracting the shoulder blades, externally rotating the shoulder, squeezing back and down, keeping the chin in a neutral position, and going through a series of upper extremity exercises for that person so I can identify their activation levels that are going on in their mid traps. Can they feel that? Can they feel it in their lower traps? Um, do they feel a stretch anywhere? Are they cramping in their triceps? Again, all information that's going to be good data for me to take and apply then to the training protocols. Great, so I've now gone through several different objective um, assessments. Not even part of the workout really yet. These are just assessments. And then from there, I've taken the overhead squat assessment, single leg squat assessment, and then my big three for identifying some things just early on, which allows me to go, okay, do I find information at the lower extremity and the hips? Do I find stuff at the hips, uh, lumbopelvic hip complex? And can I find stuff at the upper extremity? Going through all of those assessments, and then what? Let's put together a program. Doing it on the fly. Like I have this here, so I'm starting to write down, this is what we probably need to foam roll. And we go down that list. Let's make a list of foam rolling. And then first thing I do is teach them foam rolling techniques. I teach them how to foam roll. We spend most of our time after, after the initial assessment process is just learning how to foam roll. And I'm telling you, I've had some people initially that were like, oh, why are we doing this? 
why are we doing it? Well, we're addressing tight muscles. Let's tell you a story about um, a woman named Lynn that I used to train. And she was in fantastic shape. And I've mentioned this on the podcast. I love training people that are already in fantastic shape because when people see you train them, they all think you did it. So it makes you feel real good. She was very fit. And she saw me pull out that foam roller and she was so bothered by it. And she said to me, this is the word she said, I see people doing this garbage instead of working out. And I think, get up off the floor and do something with your time. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is my first session with her. And that's her response to the first activity we do outside of an assessment. And I said, yep. That's exactly what we're going to do. And she goes, do we have to do this? And I went, I mean, this, this is why you came to me. It's part of your program. You told me you wanted, and she experienced IT band syndrome. Uh, she couldn't run anymore, and, and she loved running. There are all these things that she talked about. And based off her assessments, I got some pretty good ideas of what we can do. And we started foam rolling and stretching and then doing her activations. And, and within two months... She signed up for a marathon, which I thought was a bit early, but she was so excited to be able to run again. And all it took is little things and for her to put her ego aside so that we could get to some of the things that she's going to benefit most from. Because in her head, working as hard as you can go, doing the hardest things that you can do, as regular as you can do, was always the right answer. And the right answer is the right answer, not working harder being the right answer every time. So we did that. We got tea and I taught, I taught her foam rolling, taught her foam rolling. Next thing I do after the foam rolling, we go right into the stretches. Rick, I didn't think you're supposed to stretch before a workout. Two things. I'm not really doing a workout with them right now. Second thing is when we do the workout for the next session, she's still doing all of this stuff. So yes, you can do that. What is the information? What does the science say? What does the research and the data say about static stretching prior to working out? It says that it can limit your one rep max to five rep max, and it can limit how high you jump. You think that's what I'm doing with my clients when I first meet them? You think we're going to go into our one rep maxes? You think we're repping out right now one rep maxes for our first workouts, or we're doing high jumps during our first workouts? Because that is not what we're doing. And so people take this part of this, this spectrum that says if you do static stretching, it does not allow you to lift as heavy as possible. Yeah, no joke. That's not who I'm working with right now. Maybe months down the road when corrective exercise like static stretching is no longer necessary and we can get into active flexibility and we can get into dynamic flexibility, it's fine. But here's the other set of data. Nobody had really decreased performance at all if they did stretches less than 60 seconds. I don't stretch for that long anyway, so we get the static stretches in. We go through some corrective exercise to lengthen the tight muscles that are inhibiting our movement patterns, and then we go into our activations. So we go into activations. What are we trying to activate? Well, the weaker muscles on the other side of the muscles that we're trying to inhibit stretch. So if I'm stretching my calves, 
I'll inhibit them. Like I'll get on the foam roller, roll the calves, stretch the calves, and then do some anterior tibias activations. Do that. What else? If the lats are tight or the pecs are tight, foam roll, lats and pecs, stretch, lats and pecs. That's going to decrease the amount of pull-ups you're doing. We're not doing pull-ups right now. It's our first session. What about my bench press? We're not doing bench press right now. And even if we were, I'm not holding it for 60 plus seconds. So it's unaffected. I know, I know. We, but we take the information that we've heard, information that's out there, and we say, oh, static stretching is bad for whatever, going for a run. But it, it's bad for like hamstring curls, one rep maxes, five rep maxes when you're in an isolated position and nobody's been tested whether or not they were clinically tight and if you held the stretch for longer than 60 seconds. What's our takeaway? Don't stretch before you work out. That's not the takeaway. It's not what the data says. So don't take that away from it. The information needs to be applied the way the information works. And so I have somebody needs foam rolling. They need stretching. Then we go into the activation theories. And not only am I activating the muscles around the areas that they might have weak. So maybe it's the hips, maybe it's the foot and the ankle complex, maybe it's the shoulder and the shoulder girdle. And we do an activation series. And then we go into doing just general exercises. Let's get some general exercises. Maybe one exercise with whatever time we have left from doing some foam rolling and stretching. And by the way, I'm not foam rolling and stretching everything. If somebody is really busted, right? You see upper extremity, lumbopelvic hip, lower extremity things going on. You got to triage that and say, what is that? What's probably the biggest contributor to things that we're going to concern ourselves with? Address those things and then scaffolding it. So I then take that and I do just a little bit so we can still get activations in. We can still get a few exercises in. And then the next time we add a little bit more. So the next session, maybe I add some lumbopelvic hip work because I started at the foot and ankle. And then the next session, I might add some upper extremity stuff, but all based on triaging it based off the wh where they are and what their goals are, what that workout's going to end up being like, adding things in as we go along. And if you take everything that I did with that client, I took them through just now the corrective exercise continuum. I use the corrective exercise continuum with every client every day for every single warm-up I do. But in the first session, we've got to teach that first. And then what I will say is that our next session, I'm writing all of this stuff down and I'm sending it to them or I'm putting them in the NASM Edge app and I'm getting all that information to them so they see exactly what they can do, one, on their own and exactly what I want them to do prior to our session the next time I see them. What does that mean? We have an hour long session. You come in 10, 15 minutes early, not to run on the treadmill, not to get your cardio in or your heart rate up. You are coming in and foam rolling, stretching, doing your activations. And then for the integration and the workout, I am now here. Now we get into the workout. And I scaffolding that. So if we add in new foam rolling, new stretching after they've done everything, then I just send that back to them. And I say, now add this into your program until they have the ideal program for their warm up for them. And I can give them a short program and say, this is what I want you to prioritize. 
if you have a limited amount of time, like the five to 10 minutes that you get into the gym before I work out, do this first. And then a longer program that says, this is part of your self-care program for you to do on your own when you're not with me. And certainly if you're gonna go to the gym on your own, please add this into your pre-workout, warm up your corrective exercise before you get into going. And what that really is, a corrective exercise, this movement prep is really getting them ready to go. Prepared ultimately for addressing the tight muscles, addressing the short muscles, doing the activations, doing the integrations, getting the workout in. And then at the end of it, we go sit down together again maybe do a few stretches together. We sit down, we talk. How was that for you? I know that we did a lot of talking today and that's gonna be important because from our conversations and from our prep, kind of teaching you how to do these things, I have to teach you to do it first. This is now your responsibility to do on your own. And then what? Schedule the next session. When works for you? Are you taking payment directly if you're a, a, an independent personal trainer? Um, you know, get a credit card or something set up or Venmo so that they can do payments immediately. Uh, they might do package and then let them know. You may want to discount a package. So if they do a package, you can do a discounted rate on the package. If they see you a couple times a week, then you may want to discount rates. I, I don't, but if that's something that you want to do, it does make sense. And it's a, it's a good practice for people to take on. Just if somebody's giving more to coming to see you, you can give back a little bit more by addressing your rates. And that works for a lot of people. Other things that people do, that trainers do, is people are now, trainers are now developing something independently where it's a membership model. And that basically membership model says, this is what you pay monthly. And monthly, you get X amount of training sessions a week you get guidance during the week when you're not with me. You get email check-ins, things like that. And it's all part of a program. So if they miss something, they don't like they can reschedule during the week. If you can't reschedule at the end of the month, you've lost all those sessions, but you're into now a three-month agreement or a six-month upfront agreement where they're paying this upfront and they are booking themselves in to your schedule for a real true commitment. And you want people to commit, but committing doing a five pack isn't really a commitment. That's let's give five hours a try. A real commitment are people who are getting some their clients on programs and having them buy out that program. This is the program we're gonna do. It's a three month program. So it's a quarter of the year. Commit to this program. Do this program. And they say, all right, how much? And you say, well, based on this, this is what you get. And then you give them a rate. I know what you're thinking. Give me how much that costs. And I don't know. I like, think it's different. It's different uh, where you live, your education level, who you are, what the environment is like, uh, where you're training, how you're training. Are you renting space to make that happen? So there are a lot of caveats that go along with it. And so you'll have to do market research on your own to find out what's going on. Chances are not a lot of personal trainers around your area are doing that model. And I live in New York and more independent trainers are buying into that model and finding it really to be quite successful. So with that being said, there's kind of a walkthrough of my first session where 
I get all of the paperwork, the PAR queue, the liability form before we even meet, our time together, and then we start uh, having conversations, spend most of our time in conversation. Then we go through subjective information, objective assessments, and then we get to that end conversation. And that end conversation might be, hey, let's talk about money. So some of you who didn't do this up front, you're not an independent trainer, you do have to talk about money in order to get people to buy. And what I told people when I worked at gyms was based off of what we did today, what your goals are, and just a taste of some of the things that we've gone through and we've taught you that you can take with you. But I don't think about personal training sessions is what is the best workout I can get you to, to lose weight on or to build muscle. That's important. But what I also do is I say every session with me, I think about it like college. I went to college for what? For four years so I could experience college? Yes and no. But I went to college more for what college would do for me when I left school. I didn't go to school for the sake of going to school. I went to it for what I could get afterwards. That's how I want you to look at personal training with me. When you personal train with me, it is an education, it is content, it is experience that you now take and apply to your workouts for the rest of your life. This is your time to work with somebody that knows person that knows fitness so that you can know fitness, so that you can become autonomous later in life. If that's what you choose to do, and a lot of people that I train, super autonomous, they're fine with doing it on their own, they just want me to do this with them, so I train them ongoing. That works. Working with clients, teaching them. At the end of it, I say, if you think this is valuable, then I would love to work with you. And if you're working at a gym, they have set prices. You don't get to, don't feel bad just because it's not something you would pay for. It's not your decision. It's their decision. Let them make the decision whether or not they're going to pay for it. Let them decide whether or not that's expensive. Let them decide whether or not what you've done today is worth the value that they will spend over the next three months. They decide that. All you do is provide that first session, that first workout, that introductory meeting where they connect with you. Give them a good experience. And if they have the means, the time, the opportunity to do so, they're going to train with you. Some people are going to tell you, let me think about it. I really like it. It was really great. And they want to say those things knowing that they're not going to train because they like you so much. So at the end of it, say thank you so much for thinking about it. I really do appreciate it. If we can work together in the future, that would be amazing. And if not, I understand. But if you have anybody friends, family, gym goers, coworkers, things like that, that you think could benefit from personal training and you think that they would be a good fit with me and that I'd be a good fit with them, please connect us because that's really quite powerful and we don't give it enough power. So anyway, uh, thank you so much. I hope that you found this helpful. I hope that people that are managing businesses, maybe you can send this off to personal trainers that are working in your facilities. Maybe as a personal training manager, you're listening to this and you're like, there's no way that's what the first session is. Go out, kick their butt, show them how much that workout is worth and make that happen. That's fine. If that works, that's great. But I really want to connect to people individually as a person because anybody can give a workout that makes somebody sweat to the point of puking. There's no skill necessarily in that. You can be skilled and do that, but you can also not be skilled at all and still do that. 
So this has been the best approach for me. If it works for you, I'm glad it does. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to reach out to me, feel free to do so primarily on Instagram at dr.rickrichie, R-I-C-H-E-Y. It's Rick, by the way, R-I-C-K. I get rich a lot. People are trying to find my name. They can't find it. It's very confusing. R-I-C-K, R-I-C-H-E-Y. Or you can email me at rick.richie at nasm.org. Thank you so much. Like, subscribe, give us a review. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.